Welcome to The Curious Conscious Capitalist. I'm Tom Yorton, marketer, author, and CEO. We're brought to you by Conscious Capitalism Chicago. You can find us, ironically enough, at ConsciousCapitalismChicago.org. We created this podcast because we're curious. Curious about the work we do every day. Curious about the role of business in society. And curious about better ways to create, collaborate, and thrive in our changing economy. Mondays don't have to suck. We can have a better relationship to our jobs and the people we work with. We can be conscious capitalists. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Tom Yorton with the Curious Conscious Capitalist podcast. Great to be with you. It is Monday. Not that that would matter to any of you, but uh, it is a beautiful Monday, and I am in Burridge, Illinois, with uh, Tom Kamrazi, who is the CEO of Tuthill Corporation. And I'm thrilled to be here with Tom today because I was telling him um, in the lead up to this, I think their company is uh, exemplary when it comes to understanding the power of human motivation underneath any business. And it's a story that I'm, I'm really excited for Tom to unpack with us today. And uh, just by way of background, obviously uh, Tom is an accomplished executive with 30 plus years of experience in large companies such as Eaton before he came to Tuthill. Uh, Tom's had experience in operations, in mergers and acquisitions, uh, in strategic planning. So obviously the man has business chops. But what is more interesting to me about Tom and what's going on here at Tuthill is uh, the idea of their mission, vision, and values and the purpose-driven nature of the organization. Not, there are a lot of companies that claim to do that, but they're putting their money where their mouth is in ways that I have not seen before. And I think it's a fascinating story. And there's so many ways into the conversation, but I guess I should just say, Tom, welcome, and thank you so much for being part of this today. Well, thank you very much, Tom. It's truly my, uh, my pleasure to, to share with you the uh, Tuthill story. So I'm looking forward to our time together today. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Uh, just coming out here, we got a little tour of the facility before we began this conversation. And everything about this place seems thoughtful and intentional. And uh, from the architecture design, I, I think, uh, Tom, you just you started telling me a little bit about some sure. of the choices you made when you built this building and how they help support the ideas within the culture. Can you elaborate a little on that? Well, yeah, Tom. So first off, uh, this was not my doing. This was the owner, Jay Tuthill, which uh, is, is quite a visionary. And so he wanted a, a building that really spoke to this thing of man and nature. And so you'll notice that there's structures here which literally have a piece of stainless steel holding granite, which is like man's toughest structure, stainless steel, holding nature's toughest structure. The way that the building is made, it has various points going through it. And those points are meant to say, we know where we're going and we're pointing the way. So if you look at the building from the street, you see this huge point coming off the front of the building. When you get inside the building, the pier in the pond is actually coming to a point. And all that really was uh, Jay's, Jay's doing, saying that, hey, look, we're up to something big and we know which way we're going and everything that we do is somehow going to point us in that direction. It's just, uh, I think it's uncommon you know, that, uh, that a company would be so intentional about its space, uh, but as it relates to culture. You see companies, they think a lot about space as it relates to functionality mm -hmm. and how can people operate e efficiently, and I, I assume you went through that whole checklist as well, but what's just really interesting to me is how thoughtful you were about 
what you wanted to convey with, with the space and how that reinforced what the company was all about. Some other things are just really striking uh, to me. And um, obviously, you're, you're a manufacturing company. Right. Yep. Y- you mm-hmm. make uh, pumps and vacuums, and uh, it's kind of a heavy industry sort of thing. And some of the things that you have done uh, you know, in terms of the language that you use mm-hmm. in describing the business, uh, there's a video that's on, on, on the website where you're really talking about the values of the company and you're using language about the heart and using language about, there's a phrase on there saying no to numb. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and talk a little bit about um, kind of the language you use at, at Tuthill and what that does to reinforce the compass, the culture, the purpose, everything that you, you've all strived to build. This is a 125 year old company and a fantastic history, but the origin story I think is fascinating as well. Can you tell our listeners a little about that? Oh, sure. So, you know, Tuthill started out uh, as a brick company um, 125 years ago. And so as we were making those bricks and, and pulling the clay from the from the quarries, the quarries, of course, kept getting deeper and deeper, mm. more and more challenging for the horses to get the clay out of the quarry. And actually, they were dying uh, trying to do that. And so Mr. Tuthill at that time went out and bought a little pump mm-hmm. to help the steam engine run and to replace the horses and and so you know we've always been a company about heart and so here you know you think about the original pump what's the human heart Mm -hmm. and so yeah we're a pump company and yet we're really pursuing the original pump which is the human heart and and so that's the uh, story and so gosh uh, you know 125 years later we're, we're still focused on the human heart that's amazing and uh, again just language uh, that that doesn't happen all the time in business and I'm wondering why that is you know I, I've always been you know when I when I ran organizations I've always believed this and sometimes I would live up to it and sometimes I wouldn't but I always felt that people were people first before right. they were business people or before they were workers in a planter what is it about our professional lives where we kind of put this barrier in between the people people and uh, I, I guess their professional selves uh, it just seems like there's a gap there that is it useful is it helpful is it instructive and you guys seem very intentional about co- going around that or going through that barrier to get to people first as people Whew. Uh, so yeah Tom you asked great great <laughs> questions um, so we of course we have this this long uh, history of the Tuthill family that really has deep-rooted values and uh, thinks about human dignity above all else uh, I was talking to a group of folks out in Salt Lake City, a group of business leaders there, and, 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 and I had a gentleman say, you know, I don't get why people don't want to change. And I said, well, you know, I can't speak for them, but I can speak for me. And so, Tom, you touched on some of my background, but, but you know, really, I've, I'm a quant jock. Mm. You know, University of Chicago MBA, a CPA, accounting undergrad. So I loved numbers. And I thought of transactions more than I thought of people. Hmm. And so a lot of this has to do with, with my own personal journey of seeing more of the person than I did of the numbers. Hmm. And, and, and I have a lot of stories. I wish I could say that I just had to have that exposure once and I snapped and right. I never went right. back. Right. But I was conditioned. And so what I, what I told this guy is I said, so think about my background. I got promoted. I got incentivized. I got paid for a certain behavior 
that, quite frankly, I was pretty good at. So mm-hmm. why would I want to change? Exactly. Why would I want to start thinking about people's hearts, thinking about relationships? Heavens to Betsy, I was a transaction guy. I, I got rewarded for it. Yeah. Why would I want to change? And and so uh, actually, I had to have several several clubbings. <laughs> <laughs> And so one of those was when uh, I was running this plant mm-hmm. that, uh, gosh, it was 1,500 people in the bargaining unit. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm telling them that there's going to be a, that there's gonna be a layoff. And, and as I was going through those, showing all my charts and graphs and stuff, the president of the union raises his hand and says, uh, hey, 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 Tom, I got I to gotta ask you a question here because... I get that you're smart with all the charts and graphs and you're telling us we're going to have to lay off 200 people. He said, but the question is, is do you care? <laughs> because what we make make up is that you don't care. And just to prove my point, Tom, there's 26 people here in this room and I want you to tell me their names. I'll make it easy. Tell me their first oh, names. My worst nightmare. I knew oh, my three. God. I knew three. And so to this day, I don't know why when I walked out of that room, I looked at him and I said, thank you. Because I was rocked. I was rocked. And I got home that night, and my wife could tell. And she said, Tom, what's up? And I told the story. And she says, you know what you got to do? you got to go back in there, and you got to work at the beginning of that plant all the way to the end. And this plant had two foundries, aluminum and iron, 1,200 machine tools, a million square feet under roof. Hmm. And I worked all the way from the foundries up to shipping over a three-month period. And I got to know some of those faces. And I wish I could say, and Tom, I was a changed man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not true. You know, I've been very blessed that a lot of people who have cared for me have helped me see the way that I impacted others. And so a lot of this journey uh, is quite personal for me. So you asked this, what seemed like a pretty straightforward question. I just got to tell you, it's it's not been easy for me Mm -hmm. to step away from the business numbers and step into the people side. But now we like to talk a lot more about it's the people model first and then the business model. And, uh, and that really starts with me, Tom. Yeah, and I think that's interesting too, right? Because it doesn't, those are not mutually exclusive things. Absolutely not. And you know, I think often we think that, yeah, that's all well and good to care about culture and talk about those things, and, uh, but it's a bottom line orientation. Uh, that's the scorecard often in business that most businesses embrace. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Yep. That, that's kind of the world we operate in. And y- y- when you began this journey, I know uh, you talk about your own personal story on the journey, uh, but there was also, I think, a, a point when the company, maybe about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, you uh, you sat down as leaders and you said, we are interested in this idea of being a conscious company right? and making a choice to formalize that and operationalize some of those things. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Talk a little bit about what prompted that? Uh, was that uh, was that you? Was it, where did that originate? And um, I, I'm just curious how that all unfolded. So gosh, so um, about 2003, 2004, Jay Tuthill um, really wanted to understand his leadership more. And so he did a 360 uh, eval with everyone that reported to him. And when he got that feedback, the folks that facilitated that said, hey, there's a lot of richness in the feedback, and we suggest you get a coach. Mm-hmm. And this coach, Therese Keenest, uh, was really more of a heart coach than an execution coach. Got it. And so that really started us down the journey. And, and about that same time, maybe six to nine months 
after that, I realized that my leadership, I really wasn't a leader, I was more of a manager. Mm-hmm. You know, I more managed the numbers than I did the folks. And, and so I wanted help as well. And so I started being coached by her. And actually sitting in this room with uh, Jay and I, uh, she came up with this idea. She says, why don't you become a conscious company? And we're like, whoa. And it was that easy and that quick. And so in 2005, we started on that journey, which really looked like bringing in the senior leadership team and starting training with, with, with them. And then mm-hmm. now it's, you know, it's, it's throughout the corporation that it, it doesn't make a difference where you are on, on the org chart. We uh, run you through our, our uh, basically our conscious company training. What I, I love that, um, that it came from introspection and honest evaluation, a look in the mirror. And having gone through my share of 360s, I know that that can be exhilarating, it can be intimidating, it can be discouraging when you hear your own blind spots, because we all have them. And I think that's one of the other things that I'm struck by is is the openness to admit imperfection, Mm -hmm. the openness to kind of contemplate failures, and uh, because we all have them. the organization strikes me as a profoundly successful organization, mm-hmm. but on any given day, we all have our shortcomings. And I, I just, uh, was that a natural act to be able to kind of look at, at blind spots or imperfections, or is that something that had to be groomed in the organization over time? Well, uh, gosh, so, you know, I think Jay did a nice job leading that, um, and yet, this whole thing of authenticity and vulnerability, uh, that's only been something that I've explored the last couple of years. I mean, I, I felt, you know, being the CEO, I could be the smartest guy in the room, I could have all the answers. It's just not true. Hmm. It's just not true. And, yeah. and so as soon as I got comfortable saying that, not only to myself, but also to an audience, you know, stand up from a group of 100, 150 people and say, I'm, the, I'm a CEO of a highly successful company. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I don't have all the answers. And by the way, I tell the folks at Tuthill that I hang out with that. And you can just see people like, are you crazy? You know, and, but it's true. So I've been living this you know, facade or this lie for way too long. Mm-hmm. And, and so it really was, let's just realize that we're on a common journey mm-hmm. and it's gonna take all of our efforts. It's not about mine, because quite frankly, if everyone thinks like me, we're toast. Yeah. So, so how can, through my approachability would be a you know kind of a more common term, but through my own admitting that I've got my faults and yeah I'm working on them, mm-hmm. um, but gosh right now we're just going to need all of us to kind of step in and play with all the resources we currently have. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, I, I, that's it's fantastic. I, I think um, you know in business my experience is people spend a lot of time and energy needing to be right. Yeah, and um, there's that facade when you know in the moment I don't have the answer to this question and am I going to put energy into pretending that I do or am I going to put energy into something a little bit more productive and you know my career I'd say is probably two-thirds the former and then I had a few more enlightening experiences Mm -hmm. where I learned it's almost like shedding a burden that you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not you're good enough you're there for a reason and that's enough and you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to be right. And we've all been in that meeting room, that conference room where 12 people are trying to be right at the same time. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's yeah. not a fun meeting. No, it's not, no it's not. And, and so there is this thing that we call it perspectives. We're interested in your perspective. 
and intentionally we really don't call it a opinion hmm. because it's well I can try this on oh, that's an you. interesting distinction yeah it, it, is that a opinion can invite attachment it's like what's my opinion by God and it better be right because it's mine hmm. whereas perspective seems to be a little bit I don't want to say gentler, but just more of, hey, you've got an idea and a perspective, share that with us, versus what's your opinion? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so we really are interested in perspectives versus someone taking a position, versus someone being attached. It's like, just share with us. And oh we're going to get gosh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that at home <laughs> with my 18-year-old. Well, also, Tom, you look at this room, there's, there's a whole bunch of 3x5 cards. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so we use those 3x5 cards to have people share their perspective, to, in essence, know that they're heard, because they're writing it on a 3x5 card what they think. It's not what they think someone else thinks. It's what is their stand, what is their thought. And then we post them, just like you see in this room. Mm -hmm. And so that folks have been able to get their thoughts up, get their perspective up. There it is. They know it's heard. It's there for everyone to see. And by the way, it's there for a period of time. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we put them up and rip them down. No, I mean, crazy. I mean, some of these in here have been been up here for over a year. Mm -hmm. And and so we think of various ways to get folks to, to truly share what is under that skin because that's where the richness is. Yeah. That's where the richness is. You're listening to The Curious Conscious Capitalism, brought to you by Conscious Capitalism Chicago. And how does that manifest in terms of the success of the operation? Is it, does it create a culture where people are more willing to bring forward ideas, more willing to engage and, and work collaboratively? Uh, obviously, you're doing this because it feels like the right thing to do, but it's also something that you're, you're mindful of business performance too, I imagine. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of books written, written excuse me, on the relationship between employee engagement and performance. Firms of Endearment is one of those books. Mm-hmm. And what that book showed is that if you can get your employees engaged, the companies that they reference, they outperform the S&P 500 by 400% over a 10-year period. And so what we have seen here at Tuthill, uh, over this 10 years, our margins have grown. Our operating working capital as a percent of sales has declined. Those are two types of execution matrix that if we take that ratio versus our competition, it's the best in the industry. Mm -hmm. The thing we continue to work on is growth. You know, because we've had a couple of tough years in the economy and, and so forth. But from an execution point of view, what we're finding is as we can get our folks engaged, mm-hmm. they know what the heck to do to make us highly successful. So we have various structures. One is the three by five cards. Okay. One truly is is asking people what they think and listen. You know, a lot of times I know for me, when I, when I ask someone a question, what am I thinking of? Mm-hmm. The next question. Mm-hmm. I'm not really listening. I'm not really present, right? And, and so knowing my own limitations, I'm trying to be as present as I can possibly be. And this is, I'm telling on myself here big time, but my wife knows this. When I've got the dinner with, with my wife, I will intentionally put her back against the wall so that as I'm looking at her, that's all I see is her and, and the wall. I know if I reverse that and I'm looking out into the restaurant, I'll get distracted and I won't be present. And so there's just various things that, that we do that, that, that help us interact with our folks. And the truth of the matter is, Tom, 
we got a long way to go. Oh boy, we got a long way to go. Yeah, I, have, I had a business colleague who used to talk about our own journey and talk, we're like doctors who smoke. Um, we know what the right thing to do is, but you know we we fall short, right? We, yeah, we make yeah. we make the wrong choice, and and I love that whole idea of of listening and uh, listening to understand versus listening to respond. And again, when you're in that respond mode, it's almost like it's a game show where you've got your hand on the buzzer and you're ready to jump to the conclusion. And um, it doesn't create effective. Uh, I don't think the kind of dialogue that you really need. It doesn't create space where people feel heard and validated, and that you're aware of that. I think is 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 commendable, um, and that you're. I think the other thing that has struck me is that you have systems and processes in place, and I don't want to turn this into the dry part of the conversation, right? Right. No. Because I'm I'm mostly interested in the human heart yeah. side of it, right. because I think that's. Yeah, my own experience, you spend so much time at work. Why would you not want to be invested fully and wholly into right. it? Why do you want to go 10, 12 hours a day at a place where you're only giving X percent of yourself because that feels like a waste of time to me. So I love, I love the, you know, the whole person engagement, but it's easy to say that and not operationalize that. You guys, between performance appraisals, it seems like you have systems underneath Right. as well to help you reinforce those ideas. Well, yeah, Tom, so, I mean, first off, if you go back to what you had said at the beginning, this whole vision mission thing, our version of that is called our compass. Mm -hmm. And so our purpose is to wake the world, and that's the whole world, not just Burr Ridge, not just Tuthill, that's the seven billion plus people and come through the heart. And what we say is when we come alive, the world comes along. And it's actually part of our DNA. There is a hormone in us called oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And this oxytocin is released when folks are in engagement. And when that, when that happens, just our peripheral vision gets better. The immune system gets stronger. Our creativity increases. It's and oh, amazing. by the way, it's not just in us. It's in that person that we're in relationship with. It's in folks that see that. So that's in our purpose. But then if we go down to the vision, it talks about an astounding impact. And the next sentence below that talks about an ingenious company supporting, supporting flourishing families and spirited communities. It says support, that's a key word. It says that the company is not the end game. The company is not the end game. That ingenious company is purely in a supportive role. Hmm. And then you go down to that mission and it talks about making real things that really make a difference. And so it's like, oh, that's obviously the customer, right? Well, that's obviously the shareholder. No, making a difference for our employees making a difference for our suppliers. I mean, everyone we come in contact with, we want our stuff and our people to make a difference. Then we go down to our way, curiosity, clarity, grit, grace, gratitude, and love. Grace, gratitude, and love, and exactly. a, a statement of this nature? Are you crazy? Yeah. And so when we were creating that, we actually had counsel that said, nah, you don't put love in this kind of a document. Nope, no, you don't want to do that. And selfishly for me, I knew that was such a gap for me to bring that into business. I want it there to remind me every single day. Mm -hmm. And the grace as, as well. So here are these very powerful, heartfelt words that are core in our document. And then you go down to our brand. It's not about the products. You know, it's about who we are, what we do, and what we say. And oh, by the way, it begins with me here now. So it's it's you know, you think about, well, who's going to do this? Well, Tom, you better go do it. No, it's Tom Carmazzi. You better go do it. Mm -hmm. And so this 
compass, this structure, is what we reference back to on a regular basis. And we like to say we take that thing off the wall and we bring it to life. And that that's apparent just being here. I, you know, you you see organizations where it's the wallet card, right? There's the <laughs> usual trappings, yeah. right? Let, right. Me, let me refer to the wallet card that I haven't looked at in you know 17 months. But it doesn't feel that way here. It feels like it's more uh, an organic part of how you were, just the way you talked about it. Um, it's just extemporaneous. It's just kind of the, the air you breathe. Mm. And that's fantastic and, uh, and again, exceptional, I think, in, in most, uh, most businesses. I'm curious, though. That's great. That's HQ stuff. That's what's happening in the home office. Um, your colleagues were telling me a story of one of the, the one of the workers he had in the plant who had a bit of an epiphany. Is the, the barrel story? Am I getting that right? right. Yes. Yes, uh, yes. Share that with with our listeners, if you would. Yeah. So so this was a this was a guy out in the out in the shop who you know came in for one of our meetings and um, you know got the baseball cap on. You know the uh, the absolutely looked like he had a lot of grit. I mean he he had been out there making it happen. And so he came in for uh, one of our meetings, and, and, and we have this thing called the poem that talks about letting the soul appear. So it's not so much the eating, drinking, planting, counting. It's how do we see the whole person? How do we see their soul? And this guy raises his hand, and, and, and I said, yes, sir, what does that poem mean to you? And he said, well, you know, for me, I, I just think that the top part, the eating, drinking, planting, counting, is kind of like what we do, but here I... I've got this bright light that's within me, and yet I put this barrel over me so that no one sees it. And he said, so when I look at the bottom, pa- the bottom part of that poem, letting our soul appear, it's as if I take that barrel off of me, and you all see the bright light with which I am. I was speechless. Drop the mic at that point. <laughs> exactly right. It's like, I, 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 I didn't know where to go from there. It's like meeting over. I, I, I can't close any better than that. Mm, just cow. another uh, meeting at the plant for Tuggle. You know, it's like <laughs> it's just, we're talking about an Emersonian poem. It's a poem by Emerson, right? Exactly right. I yes. mean, it's yes. just that there is a poem by Emerson that's a part of you know, a part of the company, yeah. uh, and that you have people, you know, line level folks, people in the plants uh, who understand it and have internalized it and have br- brought their own meaning to it. Oh, yeah. That's that's not small stuff. That's, that is no small thing that you've done here. You know that. Well, <laughs> thank you for that. And, and you know, there's, there's a, a part of this that, that is the, um, we've been on this journey for 10 years. You know, uh, a lot of times when I talk to external audi- uh, audiences, they want to know, so what's that silver bullet? What's that one thing that you did? And, you know, first off, it's not one thing that I did. It, it's, it's, it's what all of us are, are doing. And, and this truly is a journey. It's not just some buzzword. Mm-hmm. It really is a journey that every single day we step into the arena mm-hmm. and we try to do our best. And, and uh, so, so <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's something that, again, I, I don't want to, uh, to in any way minimize what we've been doing, and yet we've got a long way to go, mm-hmm. and there's no silver bullets in this. Usually it doesn't work that way. I mean, maybe what's, you don't have to say anything uh, proprietary or confidential. Is there a particular area that you'd like to see the company improve on all, along this journey? If, if you're somewhere along the way, what are things that are on your to-do list to get you further along the way? Well, so one of the things w- would be, Tom, that um, just the truly appreciation of the language. I mean, you've, you've, you've talked about this uh, previously. 
So words like accountability and grace. So how do those two relate? Hmm. Right? Because a lot of times folks will say, well, if I'm being graceful and I'm giving people's grace, well, then I can't hold them accountable. Or right. love and accountability. Right. Whoa, how do those two interact? And so just really great dialogues about how those coexist. And quite frankly, when they do, they're even more mm-hmm. powerful than if they're in isolation. And so if, if we think about the conscious company side of this journey, it really is understanding how these words not only interrelate, but become even more powerful together than mm. apart. If we now go over to, to kind of the business hat, uh, the world is getting much more competitive, mm-hmm. not less so. Right. The availability of data and the previous product life cycle times, you know, for us, they used to be decades. Hmm. That's not the case anymore. I mean, the competition is now global completely. It used to be just a North American, so it's very, very global. The data is all out there in the domain. It's not like it's got confidential stuff here that no one knows. I see. Internet, man, it's out there immediately. And so our competition is coming from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so for us to truly excel at what we do and who we are is very, very key. And so the business acumen side, it, 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 we don't discount that at all. It's not like, well, if we just show up with a big heart, we're going to just knock the cover off, off the ball. That's the foundation on which we'll build. Mm-hmm. It's that heart that we will build Upon, but we still need all those key things that a, a uh, for-profit business needs. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, well said. And you know, when I think about my own ideas around conscious capitalism, I, I always think that there's a false dichotomy between the the two C's. Um, and you know, I've always worked in for-profit organizations. I know what you have to do to uh, the value that you create and how that's important to all the different stakeholders. Um, and that those two things, uh, they, they can coexist. And in fact, we have run, when the last organization I was involved in really contemplated purpose and started investing in stakeholders differently, our business got better. And it wasn't an accident. And I'm kind of personally bummed out that there's a lot of businesses that don't operate that way. And so this caricature of the Wall Street banker you know, lighting cigars with $100 bills at the pool side mm-hmm. is how most people think about capitalism. It's been hijacked and taken down the wrong way by some bad actors. And my hope is that through these kinds of stories and seeing businesses that are doing it differently and showing that these things can coexist yeah. and that you can thrive and uh, do well by doing good and all those sorts of things, I, that's, that's what we hope to do here. And that's the message that we're bringing out. And and again, I commend you for uh, kind of the self-awareness and the recognition uh, that, that it took and the vulnerability, frankly, to kind of look at yourself and look at the organization uh, with clear eyes and to, to take that on. And then the, kind of the dedication and the energy and frankly, the resources is because it's clear that you brought in outside partners and you've, you've really invested mm-hmm. in creating this. So I, think, I think you guys are exemplary when it comes to uh, this kind of business and, and running an organization the right way. Well, Tom, thank you. You know, there's been some some real benefits. Um, you know, so I've told you my story, and yet it's just one of many. I've told you, you know, financially that we're very, very strong. But we're starting to attract people that are coming here because of the journey. 
They aren't coming here because of the compensation or because of the location. You know, we, we, we brought on a guy out of uh, private equity um, about three or four years ago. Highly successful there, compensated very, very well. And he came here and, and he will tell you that when he first came, he thought it was the usual two to three years and out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet, um, about a year ago, he said, I found home. I found home. I'm not planning on leaving. It's like, whoa. Um, another LLB president, which uh, tells me, and think about this, I mean, and she means it from her heart. She loves her job. Loves her job. Whoa. Um, we had uh, uh, another case of which a guy, as a part of our planning process, which can be a very laborious, sure. you know, let's make sure the numbers are right. He uh, came in one morning and said, you know, it's just great to know that I'm part of the solution instead of part of the problem. I always felt before I was part of the problem. I can't imagine waking up every day and feeling like you're the problem, and all of a sudden now you feel like you're part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Just emotionally, what your day changes to, holy cow, and what that person will now do that before they wouldn't because fearful, they're afraid if they open their mouth or whatever and since they're part of the problem, they're gonna get terminated. Yeah. So this whole evolution from fear to engagement from the heart, I mean, Tom, just try that on for yourself. So, so that's, that's really, a lot of what we do every day is, sure, we are a for-profit business and we believe that Ingenious Company supports this journey, so it's gotta be firing on all cylinders, but the longevity and the sustainability is from the heart, it's not from the numbers. Well, that that genuineness, that authenticity comes through in, in just this visit here and the time we spent today, and I just, again, on behalf of everyone um, from Conscious Capitalism Chicago, Uh, and everyone who will listen to this, thanks for the time and thanks for sharing uh, these great insights today. Uh, It was truly my pleasure, Tom. Thank you. You've been listening to The Curious Conscious Capitalist. You can find us at ConsciousCapitalismChicago.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.